Welcome in to another episode of Turn the Corner A, Detroit Tigers podcast. I am Kieran Steckley. With me, as always, is a man who likes his wings hot and his beer cold. He is Cody Stavenhagen. How you doing? I am doing good. Uh, spot on with that description. Can't argue with that one bit. I was expecting like a Travis Kelsey, Taylor Swift reference <laughs> or something, but I'll 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 go I'll go for that. That's How fun. do we feel about uh, the these? Love it. Love, love it. it. Love it. She needs an athlete era, okay? And Travis, you know, giving her the friendship bracelet with the phone number, I thought that was very sweet and, like, genuine. And it seemed like she kind of stood him up the first time or the bracelet didn't actually get to her or whatever, and then you hear, oh, they might be seeing each other. I support it. Let's see where it goes. As long as he helps my fantasy team even more through this uh, dating relationship, I'm cool with it. However, I'm not sure we want to set the precedent of just having that mustache like a 1980s Yankees mustache. Yeah, Uh, the mustache, the, like, straight buzz cut. Like, maybe she can help him with the the appearance a little bit. Yeah. I was watching the ESPN, like, Sunday countdown today, and and, uh, the guy was like, oh, I asked Pat Mahomes, you know, if if Travis Kelsey was dating Taylor Swift, and Mahomes was like, oh, I haven't even asked him. (laughs) You believe that, bro? Bro, if you're dating Taylor Swift, everyone in that locker room is going to know about it, all right? Everybody's asking, first of all. (laughs) At bare minimum, people are asking, all right? How's your knee? Good for Pat for not outing him to the media, I guess, but, like, come on, man. That's good. That's good stuff. Uh, I'll tell you what is real good stuff, Cody. Tigers, September 17th. 70 wins. Hit the over. They did it. Hit, hit hey, the over 69 and wow. a half. Wow. They did it. They, against all odds, decided they went and hit the over. So it's exciting. They they have done it. They have done exactly what you're supposed to do in a, in a professional sports season is win more games than you are expected to. So congratulations to the Tigers, to everybody involved. It's a great day uh, in the Motor City. By the way, their next over, because, you know, these things update every day. Is only 72 and a half. So can they win three more games? Can they win more, three more games? We It's, it's very doable. It's, very doable. It's very doable, although tough here. I don't out. gamble on baseball, but your Lions cost me some money today. So I don't know if it's a great day in the Motor City. For a lot of people, it's not. <laughs> but those people who did the Tigers futures bet, I guess it's a great yeah, day. Yeah, you know, your uh, patience paid off there. And also, it seems like the Tigers slammed the door on Shohei Otani's Angels career. What's going on? Well, you know what's up with that? It's just a the Angels continue well, to be weird, bro. Like I, what a disaster of an organization. As bad as as bad as it can be to be a Tigers fan, and you know when we get into some of the good things about the Tigers on this podcast, I'm gonna do what I do and bring a dose of reality. Like look at the Atlanta Braves. You know you got a long way to go, but at least you're not the Angels, and at least you're not the White Sox. Like you could be a lot bigger of a disaster. Um, the Angels, despite having two generational players and a lot of interest, I mean, it's just embarrassing how they've been managed for the past, I don't even know how long. I mean, it's terrible. the entirety of Mike Trout's career. And they, yeah, and they're, they're, you know, they're just kneeling down in September. To get swept by the Tigers, it's like, it's one of those, like the White Sox, like, seems like the team is just ready to go home, you know? Yeah, one, two, three, Cancun has, uh... As they say. Mm-hmm. Um, also, okay, so today Jake Rogers has two home runs. We'll talk about him in a little bit. But we haven't done, Cody, a update on the Carson Kelly uh, experiment. 
and this is a guy that has a 3.5. What was the over under? Who who had the odds on leading the pod with Carson Kelly? <laughs> Would have been would have been would have been a big winner right there. Paid off your mortgage. <laughs> I'm all for it though. I'm all for it. It's been an under talked about topic since he joined the Tigers. Three point five million dollar decision for Scott Harris coming up. You, 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 who knows how much how many more games he's gonna get? Obviously, he was thrown into a you know challenging situation to come into a team, replace a popular guy in the in the clubhouse, and then have to learn the pitchers and the tendencies and the. You know the the school of Chris Federal on the fly. You know, so I, I'm just kind of curious because this is going to be in the off season as you kind of project out storylines, or at least I do. Like this is going to be one of the more I don't know, anticipated or one of the more like, all right, what are they going to do here? Because if this doesn't work out, then you have a hole at catcher, and again, three point five million. It's not like expensive. But it's also not cheap for uh, for a catcher of you know his veteran status and, and ability level. So it's kind of a, it's kind of a big thing. It's kind of a big thing, and probably something worth monitoring here pretty close, I would say. And I don't, like I said, I don't know how many more opportunities he's going to get, but he's going to have to make the most of them, or at least leave some sort of intangible impression on the staff in front office. Yeah, uh, I have no idea. I mean, he's only played 12 games as a Tiger, 35 at bat. So you look at the numbers, oh, he's hitting 143. And then it's like, well, he's really hasn't played very much. So how do you even make a judgment? Uh, from what I've seen, just eye test, he's been like the most mid player possible. <laughs> to where it's hard to like, I don't necessarily dislike him. I don't know that he's done anything to inspire me to pick up that $3.5 million option either. And so you zoom out a little bit and it's like, okay, well, you could decline that option. And then who are you going to get as your backup catcher? Like bringing in anyone better? Probably not. Could you bring in someone as good for a little bit cheaper? Probably. Does Carson Kelly maybe have a little more upside than any of these other options? Probably. So I'd be really curious to know what the Tigers' internal evaluations are so far. Uh, laying all that out there, I'm like, I don't know. Like, if you brought this guy into the organization, you haven't played him that much. You might as well just pick up his option because I don't – like, you're not going to go get someone else who you feel better as your backup catcher um, unless, I don't know, like, Eric Haas. <laughs> Do you feel better with Eric Haas? Like, I don't know. Like, I guess there's more power there, but – uh, really tough to make a judgment, especially with how little he has played. And I think it's also like let's just how Scott handles this could it could be boring, and they just pick up the option, and then we just you know reassess in spring training whether it was a good idea or not. But there is like a world out there where it's like decline the option, which doesn't cost you anything, obviously. But yeah. but at the same time, it kind of I think there's an optics element to this. Should that play into the decision for rush makeup? I'm not saying that, but there's an optics element to this where it's like you, you cut a, the hometown kid who obviously was having his struggles and you bring in a guy, don't play him or not don't play him, but don't get a huge sample size. And then you decline the option, which you put in there for a reason. And then you can't just like go negotiate with him again. Like that, that ship has sailed and you know, every move that he makes is being judged by agents, 
you know, by other front office uh, personnel across the league. So there's a there's a way that this gets weird. Is all I'm saying. It, it probably won't. I, I assume that they had enough on him to know that it's a fit to offer that into the contract and that they're just gonna pick it up or. I guess, yeah, just pick up the option. Yeah. So that's what I assume happens. But we've also seen some weird stuff early in the Scott Harris tenure that I can't, I just saying I can't rule it out is all I'm saying. Right. I think if, if like I had to choose, I'd be like, okay, you brought him into the organization for a reason. You, you might as well stick with him. Like you might as well give him, you know, a month or two next year and see how things go. And if you got to eat a couple million because of it, like, is that really a big deal in the grand scheme when your payroll, by the way, is going to be freaking astronomically low next year with Miguel Cabrera off the books. <laughs> That's another thing too, declining the option and having Miggy off the books with, uh, uh, they, look, not... look, the tigers, I'm going to tell you right now, they're not going to go spend big on free agency. Their payroll is going to be really, really low next year. So low that Scott can take two, three million dollar flyers on as many guys as he wants, uh, which seems like seems like his kind of deal. So. <laughs> Man, might as well just take one. And, and until someone, until you give me a name that is like a better value, eh, might as well just take Carson Kelly. Because no one's coming to my mind that's like, oh, I'd rather have that guy. You know. Yeah, and again, you probably brought him in obviously with twenty twenty four in mind anyway. Give him a full off season of. Uh you know, getting used to the Tigers' ways, I guess. It, 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 and you're not going to be able to replicate that. It, these games might just be bonuses. But, again, something to monitor. Every time he's in there, I think it's it's worth paying attention to. Uh, another thing worth paying attention to, even though it's an injury, and we, you know, one of those injuries where we're not getting, like, frequent updates, but the Riley Green thing is starting to get to the level where I'm like, you know, you know, I'm not saying I'm, like, overly concerned but i also can't tell you that i'm feeling that hot about things right now cody uh is there anything you can share with us about this like it's 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 weird don't yeah i i don't have a lot of information other than what's kind of been publicly reported which is he's seen multiple doctors he's seen another doctor he hasn't said much about his injury he basically said, ask AJ Hinge for more information. And AJ Hinge basically said, ask Riley Green for more information. So that got us nowhere. Uh, real good. The Tigers like have players like afraid to say anything about their injuries. But uh, it, like in fairness, obviously the medical evaluation is not complete. So like we can't necessarily expect a ton more. All signs point to this not being good. All right. If you're seeking a second and third and fourth opinion, it's because there's probably some bad options on the table. So without knowing a lot, my concern level is like an eight out of 10 right here. And that like, sounds like they're talking about some kind of surgery. And then I'm like, what even is this injury? Yeah. Right. Have it was like see like impact this? injury landed on his elbow. So I'm like, it's, it wouldn't be like a UCL. Right. And it's Not like throwing, it'd be very uncommon, but like, you know, Glaber Torres at Cozart have torn UCLs and like contact injuries. So like it could, uh, it's not supposedly not a break or a fracture. So I'm like, what, what else even is going on in that elbow that they could be looking at? I think that in itself is kind of a mystery. It is non-throwing arm. So whatever happens, you know, you would think that could lead to a quicker recovery, but the fact that it is dragged on this long and they're talking to this many doctors makes me think 
we could be looking at some kind of procedure that could potentially jeopardize uh, the start of next season for Riley Green, and that's not what anyone wants to hear. Yeah, I mean, this is not at all the same, and it's completely unfair of me. But my mind just naturally goes to the Casey Mize situation last year where... Right, which, like, why are we wasting time? Yeah, because I like, I understand the explanation of, look, you know, it's, it's not as simple as just being able to, like, look at it and, you know, and, and assess it right. there like like an x-ray with a broken bone. Like, I, I, I get all that, but now we're going on two weeks two weeks seems like a long process and how much that cost riley green two weeks the next season like i think that's a mistake i believe in science cody i know you do too i also believe I in medicine i know you do too i do i'm a believer uh, in that i just don't know how many opinions do you need like 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 i understand again second opinions due diligence i get this like it just seems like a lot it just seems like a lot, and and that's that is kind of wish why like why I wish we had a little more information. Like, have you heard like drastically conflicting things from these doctors? Otherwise, why are you continuing to see more? I mean, if one doctor told you you're fine and the other says you need surgery, I guess that's when I would be like, ah, how about we ask a third doctor? Otherwise, like, I I look, I'm sure a player doesn't want to have a surgery unless they have to have a surgery, but. I just like the Casey Mize situation. It's like, eh, don't feel like this is trending in a great direction. Well, the, the bottom line is that 2024 is the focus, right? It's been the focus for this team for a while, just in general. And yes, he needs to be able to, he, he needs to be able to have a healthy season. Number one, even though some of this stuff is fluky mm-hmm. admittedly, but at what point does fluky become frequent? Yeah. Like for his own career, look, if you go play a full season and you rake, you could be looking at a big, big payday, mm-hmm. okay? could be looking at a long-term extension. And if you don't stay healthy, I don't think Scott Harris and the Tigers can feel comfortable giving out such an extension. So that's what's at stake for Riley Green next year. Yeah. Right there. A big-ass payday. Yeah. And again, it's not my body, so I don't want to make it seem like I, I know what I would do or whatever. I'm not doing any of that. But again, from like a macro perspective, I would be wanting to get as ready as possible for next season. Like that would be my main focus. And is there anything helpful going on right now? It just if there is, please tell us because I'd like to right. I'd like to know it. And this this is like something that I believe to the core, and no one really cares about it. But there's no competitive advantage to be had by being a little bit more transparent about injuries in general, especially something like this. Like there's, unless I'm wrong, unless someone could tell me one, like there, there's no competitive advantage to be had here. And you can still, because generally speaking, they do a really good job of giving injury updates and, uh, and just kind of letting us know what's going on so that these things don't have to happen where we have to speculate like, could it be a UCL? What happens with this guy? It, 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 that, that's not good for the fans, the media to have to talk about, the players to have to talk about, the manager to have to talk about, Scott Harris, if he become, you know, next time he's available to have to talk about. It's really kind of a waste of time. 
but we have no choice to talk but to talk about it because it's right there in front of us. So uh, that's something that um, that I just I, I just wish teams would kind of see it from that perspective. But no one will. And I'm not sure if anyone cares about it as much as I do. Uh, <laughs> probably not. Probably not. If we're being honest, welcome to my life. <laughs> Um, also, can we, do you want to just take this chance, Cody, to, uh, just report officially or uh, unofficially that, uh, Bloom will not be the general manager of the Detroit Tigers? You want to, uh, no, no, I, I, what, I wouldn't, I cannot tell you one way or another. Uh, I wouldn't completely rule it out. You know, guy had his stint as a number one, like, I think he could end up, in another organization, I think Bloom still has a bright baseball future in front of him. Really smart guy, but you know, things don't go well in Boston. Like, if he felt like taking a step back, like, you know, I don't know. John Morosi, of course, reported the Tigers are still seeking general manager, could have a hire in place by the end of the season. Uh, don't have a lot of additional reporting to add to that right now. I thought the timing of the report was somewhat curious, right? Not That's long fair. after the Bloom firing. Not saying he's a candidate, not that I would say like chances are more likely he doesn't join the Tigers, but like one paper, I, I don't know. Why not? You know, it, it, you could go work for Andrew Friedman and the Dodgers or something if they want him, if they have room in that front office. There are already a lot of people in that front office. The Tigers happen to have a GM opening. That's why I'm not saying objectively, like, no, that's ridiculous. Interesting. Well, the to tie it in uh, again to the Tigers, it's just another example of, uh, you know, if you don't want to be the football coach that takes over for Nick Saban at Alabama, right? You know, you're not going to want to be the guy that takes over for Bill Belichick with the Patriots. You also don't want to be the guy that has to clean up Dave Dombrowski's mess. <laughs> because Generally not a good it, position it, to be in. History tells it us. It might be the most thankless uh like gm job uh or president of baseball ops job or whatever title you choose uh position out there because all right build up the farm cut salary all these old injured players and uh if we're not winning enough in whatever timeline we decide uh you suck and we're out uh so and that, that you know he obviously made some mistakes uh we were texting about it earlier this week he mismanaged the hell out of the Xander Bogarts uh, situation. Now, not signing him to that 12-year, whatever, 280, 300, whatever that number of contract looks like the, the, the smart move. Probably, yeah, you could have had him good. for half that uh, a year prior. Mm-hmm. And you kind of had to sign Rafael Devers to that big contract, which I can guarantee you, they're going to be having conversations in Boston in six years that are very similar to the ones in Detroit over the past five. Because uh, I don't think Devers is going to stick at third base all that much. I don't think his waistline is going to decrease uh, as he gets older. And he's going to continue to rake, and he's going to be a great player. And you have to have, if you're the Boston Red Sox, you have to have a marquee player. But they were kind of cornered into just kind of giving him whatever he wanted uh because otherwise there like there might have been a fan riot and uh, and so yeah i just think that that situation is, is pretty interesting maybe a little bit of a all right al it wasn't just you that that failed at doing this particular sect of job now well yeah that's that's how i feel about like the, the mookie bets trade like 
Not really entirely Heimboom's fault. He didn't necessarily have much of a choice but to trade Mookie Betts. At the same time, if you were going to excuse him for getting essentially nothing in return, then you also better excuse Alavila for getting almost nothing in return for Justin Verlander. Like, neither one of those were an enviable position to be in, but at the end of the day, you are still the executive who traded away a star for a couple spare parts. Yeah, well, you know... And that that's gonna stick on your record. And, and so. there's something like he. One of the things I was listening to a couple Boston pods because uh, I was you know I went up I did like 12 hours of driving this weekend so had a lot of time to kill and they were like he was bad this 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 but he was good at drafting is one of the things that they said. Now one of those marquee draft picks was Marcelo Meyer and I kind of wanted to. Just kind of, let, let, let's look at this for a second. Cue some dramatic music yeah. here. Let's look at this for a second, everybody. Yeah. Oh, is is Jackson Job turning the tide of this conversation? Dun, dun, dun. I'm just going to say this. I believe, I know for sure this year he's not playing anymore. He's They, they shut him down for, for injuries. Uh, I think two years of season-ending injuries, I think. I wish I would look this up, I think. Uh, maybe I'm wrong, but, but he has had injuries his entire pro career. Uh, he, he's, he's been, that's part of his profile to this point. This year he played 43 games at double A. All right. He hit 189. Ouch. With a 254 on base. Ouch. And this was a quote from a Red Sox podcast. His profile to this point is like major league profile to this point is worse than Jeter Downs. Ouch. Jeter Downs. That's not what you want to hear. Who obviously did not work out. But if you look at his minor league numbers, there was nothing that kind of indicated like this guy would flame. Uh, right. And, and so there's a little, there, there's some concerns for Meyer in, in, in Beantown. Not freaking out, but there's concerns. Jackson Jove has kind of slow played his pro career, uh, partially injury, partially organizational plan. He did just make a start in Double A, Cody. Six innings, six Ks, no runs. I just don't count him out, everybody. The real conversation would be, why did you not take Jordan Lawler? That's the real conversation. Hey, I was gonna say, <laughs> how about how about you know what? Both teams were done. They should have taken Jordan Lawler. That's the new take, right? I'm not trying to flip flop on the take. I, I still. Uh, I think the Tigers should take in Marcelo Meyer. If you were to ask me today, if you were to ask me last year, this time, who would you rather have? I'd say Meyer by a million. If you were to ask me now, who would you rather have? It's pretty close. I think I'd lean Meyer just because I, I want the hitter, man. I want the shortstop prospect. But in 189 in double A, while Jackson Job's stock since he returned from injury has been shooting upward pretty rapidly. Shout out, Mr. Job, for making this an interesting conversation. I, I mean, again. I think next season we're going to have to maybe semi-regularly kind of give updates on this. Because, I mean, I think for a while the conversation was over. Of course, unfairly. Of course, unfairly. But the conversation was over. It's continued. We said this last week, but it's just been Alavila. Having <laughs> a great week, man. Reese Olsen, Sawyer Gibson-Long. Suddenly Jackson Job looking better than Marcelo Meyer. Like... You know, too little, too late, but... Uh, yeah, well, uh, you know... Some of the last moves of the Avila era suddenly looking pretty solid. <laughs> well, speaking of pretty solid, uh, 
victory laps also for people who were pro taking Wyatt Langford because homeboy yeah. been raking. He's played. He's already up to double A. I, th- I think he's actually about. To, they just get called they, up. To, they, yeah. They're putting him in triple yeah. A so he can keep getting at bats. Yeah, so he's gonna make it to triple A. I know he's a college guy and all that stuff, but in eleven games in double A, four forty seven average, five fifty one on base, eight forty five or around there slugging. He had uh, three home runs in that time. He was killing it. And double A for the Frisco Rough Riders just down the road from my recording studio. So, early edge here, Langford over Max Clark, who is uh, doing about what you would kind of expect an 18, 19 year old, I don't know when his birthday is, uh, just kind of thrown into the thick of professional baseball, hitting like what, 220? Uh, yeah. You know, so, but he's gained the experience. But the Langford. The Langford draft buzz was real, and honestly, if he went number one overall, it would look like a decent pick already. Then he ended up mm-hmm. uh, going fourth. So, you know, sh- yeah. shout out to the Langford people. Um, I guess, I guess the Meyer thing is a great reminder. Probably too early to really make a stark judgment here, but I'll stand by the take. Like I think Max Clark can be a really good player. I would have rather had Langford. Um, We'll check in on that one from time to time too, and see where we end up. It's a hard industry, man. This is—it's not easy making these decisions. We get to sit here and second guess, and and luckily our jobs aren't necessarily on the line when we do that. And it is for scouts and executives, and again, Jordan Lawler. All that guy's stock did was fall leading up to the draft. I wanted to love him, and I was just like, uh. You know, like that. I was like, oh, I can't hit. He strikes out too much. He's a little older. Suddenly, he's like the best prospect in the class. Like, what? Like, like there's crazy. gonna be like joint bobbleheads at in Arizona of, of him and uh, oh my god, brain fart. Corbin Carroll. Corbin Carroll, brain fart on that one. Sorry about everybody. Uh, but yeah, they're like they're already kind of making themselves out to be like the torque and green in terms of the bro aspect and the young prospects coming up. <laughs> even though Carroll's obviously yeah already in the major leagues. So, so yeah, it, it's. I just think it's kind of fun to update. I think it's worth noting that Jackson Joe, it's not like he was not considered a top-tier prospect. You know, the shock of everything that went on a couple years ago, but he was picked third for a reason. And we're kind of seeing a little bit of it come together. And next year becomes a huge year for Joe. Huge. So uh, just don't count him out is all I'm saying. All right, so a little little bit of a victorious podcast so far, Cody. Uh, talk about the, hitting the over, the season over, you know, four-game win streak, you know, and a little Alavila action, just catching love randomly late in the season. <laughs> uh, tick, tickles me to death, not going to lie. I think I think we'll just keep the theme up. We'll, we'll, we'll talk about some potentials. Some potential organizational wins this year. And you know what? Like, I'll just say, Joe, I think the the comeback from injury and the ascension to where he's at, to kind of get us thinking positively about him, uh, I think he's a guy that, just kind of wrap up the Job thing for a second, he's a guy that's a little out of sight, out of mind, I think, uh, in Tiger's talk and Tiger's land a little bit. And that's going to change. I was going to say, uh, not, gonna... not for much longer. Yeah, so he's gonna he's gonna climb these prospect rankings. Like there's gonna there's gonna 
blink and there's going to be hype for Jackson Job. I'm just telling you right now. So, I think all that an organizational win, I would say. And let's also just let's, let's go back to the offseason. I don't even know if this is a win. I think it's worth talking about. The Gregory Soto trade. <laughs> organizational win? I Maton Maton Maton. We don't have to, you know, dive in the, into the Maton aspect of it. Matt Veerling looks like a looks like a utility guy that is useful. I'll say useful. How's that? Useful. He's a useful player to have on your team is what it looks like. Defensive versatility. You know, there's the bat needs to develop more, but that's hardly unique. But he he's a guy that you can plug into the lineup on a, a random Tuesday, and it's not a glaring hole, you know. And, again, outfield, infield, he's been asked to do a lot this year, I feel like. And I still feel he is an ascending player a little bit. It's a low ceiling. So I'm not overhyping him. But I still think there's more to, to, to Matt Beerling. And he's got a, we'll just call it one, it's point nine. We're going to round it up. We're feeling generous. He's got a point nine, one 1.0 war this season. Gregory Soto, negative point two. So we talked about, you know, why I would have Meyer over... Job and it's the you know you want hitters thing you got rid of a guy that obviously you didn't have to get rid of but you traded him for two players one of which appears at least to be useful for next year and according to baseball reference war is a better player this year and then another one that you don't really know what you have but you know, there were some moments in there that at least will make you think, okay, maybe something could happen down the line, but it wouldn't hold your breath on it. So the Gregory Soto trade, I kind of lean organizational win because I don't really feel like you miss Soto this year, really. Uh, and, and you got a guy that figures to at least be in your plans for 2024 and maybe will be in your plans longer than Soto will be in Phillies. So I kind of, I, I lean win here. It's not a, it's not a, it's not a capital W. I'm not raising a flag over it. I kind of lean win here. And again, that was like the first big move, Scott Harris. Yeah. Uh, look, if I'm at the blackjack table and roll over an 18 and, and push with the dealer, my mind, it's kind of a win. I didn't lose money. So I'll take it as long as I'm not losing money. That's how I'm looking at the Soto trade right now. Uh, you're not missing Soto in this organization. There's not. He's a 491 ERA. 8.8 Ks per nine. Like he's still not missing bats much like last year. Um, from afar, it seems to me like he's been very much Gregory Soto. He's had a couple stretches where he's pitching real nice. He's had a couple stretches where he was terrible. Um, and given other guys you've had step up in your pin, like you, you don't miss him. You don't really need a guy with a four nine one ERA in your bullpen right now. Now, Donnie Sands, hasn't been very good. Nick Mason eh, hasn't been very good. Pending a major turnaround, I don't know if you have anything there. Matt Veerling, I think, is a much, much more interesting discussion, and I'm a little bit trying to still figure out how I really feel. I think, to your point, Veerling's a nice, fine piece. Uh, I guess the question still looms, can he be anything more than that? What we're seeing right now is kind of like the baseline version of Matt Veerling. He's hitting 263. He has a 96 WRC plus, only nine homers. 
so like not great. This guy hits a tremendously high amount of ground balls. Um, his ground ball rate is, is 50% right now. It's actually higher than it was last year in Philadelphia. So he still rolls over too many balls. What you want is for him to elevate balls in the air. And when he does that, every now and then, like his grand slam the other day, you're like, oh, could this guy be something? That was impressive. You know, you still look at the stat cast page. Oh, wow, it's really good. He can play multiple positions. Uh, early on, he was kind of getting compared to Victor Reyes. Like, not a terrible comparison, but I would rather have Matt Veerling than Victor Reyes. He walks almost twice as often. He has a little bit more power in the tank. And he is still, you know, he's 27. So not young, but not old either. Not all that many big league plate appearances. I still like to think there could be a little bit more development left there for Matt Veerling. Now, I think it is probably naive to think he's something he's not. I don't think Matt Veerling at this point is probably not going to turn into a 30 home run hitter. But could Veerling be a good fourth outfielder or a guy who's like it or not? The reality is he's probably going to play a decent bit of third base next year. Some of that's dependent on what happens with your prospects, but I would just, you're probably going to see a lot of Veerling at third base. Uh, I don't, that's all to say I don't hate Veerling. Like, I think he's a fine, nice piece to have on your ball club. Um, And given what Soto is doing in Philly, like, I think that trade is probably a push. Yeah, and again, if you're banking, if you're wanting continue a little bit more continued development you're thinking about stuff like the whole off season where he's not you know he doesn't have to go through a trade process you know what i mean and uh and just getting the tutelage of of, of the tigers organization which again like these are the veerlings of the world are the guys that scott yeah. harris and that front office are so, going to try to like cut their teeth on so in the bigger view like the scott harris regime so far You'd probably feel a lot better if you felt like you had a, a starter in Beerling and a starter in Maton and a, a major leaguer in Donnie Sands. You'd be like, oh, that's a pretty good trade. Tremendous. Like Sky Harris knows what he's doing. And that's not where we're at. Uh, I think some of the criticism of Scott Harris to this point has been like, all right, what has he really added to the organization? And I'm still like, yeah, like he's shown us a lot of what he was about. Like, I, I maybe would like him to be a little more aggressive in certain aspects. At the same time, was this a positive or negative year for the Tigers organization? Well, they beat their over-under for wins. Got some prospects coming. Parker Meadows has killed it in the minors, is now in the bigs. Like Guys like Reese Olsen, some other guy, you know, Job is on the rise. Like I think it's overall been a positive year. Maybe not overwhelmingly. Torkelson's developed. Kerry Carpenter is, is for real. Like been a pretty good year even if none of those were necessarily scott Ayers acquisitions uh what like like you didn't take any steps backward and it's not like you traded away anything crazy for those guys so uh i i just think that's important to keep in mind like overall hasn't been that exciting of a year hasn't really been that interesting of a year i'm not you know living and dying with these tigers games in september well, I'm pretty interested to see what next year's team is going to be like. And it's going to, I think it's going to be a really, really young team, and that's a little bit scary. But I think it's going to be a much more interesting product on the field. So in regards to Scott Harris, like, to me, based on, and, and some of this is not going to be organizational wins, but 
whatever responsibility he holds for the Turnbull situation, whatever responsibility he holds for the failure to trade Eduardo Rodriguez, which obviously you clearly yeah, it's, I, I mean, I think if uh, there's any L, it's that. Yeah. Uh, he... How do I phrase this? I feel like there's been some rookie moments for Scott Harris. Was that fair? Totally fair Is assessment. That... Um, and, and, and in those cases being a couple, uh, sometimes I feel like he, you know, you could tell that it's his first time being like a face of an organization of a, of a baseball town. And, and look, I'm a big believer that life is a learning lab. You don't hire a first time president of baseball ops and expect him to be Dave Dombrowski. You know what I mean? And, and expect him to just kind of get everything right. Those guys don't get everything right either, by the way. But uh, expect him to just kind of do everything as if he's been doing this for 10 years. That's unrealistic. That's not why you hired him. Uh, but I could say the bumps I can live with. Like, the, like he hasn't – there's been no catastrophes. You know, there's been no uh, no scandals or, you know, <laughs> anything like that. Like, that, yeah, that's a real thing, you know? Like, so – I just feel like he's had the, the 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 rookie bumps along the way. I but he also to his credit, and I've said this before, and as a guy who appreciates transparency, like he is pretty much operated exactly as you would have anticipated him to operate if you watch his press conference, if you read articles like what Cody writes and you know his radio hits and you know all these things. Like it, it, it is kind of to be expected now. This is not for 2024, but this is just a more like the future going forward type thing that I'm looking for. Because I, I, I do agree there's no big moves we had this offseason. That's an important note, too. Like, Scott's probably going to get dragged by kind of the casual fan and, and the people on Twitter this offseason. Because I, I don't think the Tigers are going to go spend a lot of money in what's a really bad free agent class. Um, and that's probably not going to be entirely fair because when I'm like, as much as I want to see the Tigers be competitive, I know the fans out there are dying to see a big splashy move, a good team. It's just, it's just a really sucky off season for that. So unless Scott surprises us all with a big time trade, unfortunately it's going to be another year before I think we can really like, like you, you could argue this coming off season will be a good test of what he can do as a GM. Will his moves on the margins actually produce something of greater substance in 2024? Because I think they're going to have to, because I don't think there's a bigger move to be had this coming winter. Well, you can't build a perennial contender just by margin moves. I agree. Right. I agree. Like, like there's obviously the development aspect of it. You're going to have to make a home run trade eventually. You know, and then you're going to have to have a home run development deal, you know, and that's kind of how you and, and then you, and then you can supplement on the margins more. And then three years later, you got to have another one, another like set of home runs here. So it's nice that he can do that stuff because, you know, like Zach McKinstry, no one has any uh, I, misgivings about Zach meh. McKinstry. But like if you can produce guys that can give you some positive spots in some tough situations, like over the course of 162 games. Like, that's an important skill set to have. But I, I'm curious when that moment comes and how he, what he does and how he handles it and all that stuff. Because again, that's probably not going to be something that we're talking about 
Like, there's gonna be another presidential term at least before we uh, before we talk about this. You know what I mean? I'm, they're talking about going into the 25 season, basically. So, like, it's like I'm anticipating it, but not really anything can do about it now. So, uh, another guy that he deserves credit for organizational win, Tyler Holton. You really 2.5 war? Really good move. Really good, like. As for as as good of a move as you can have for a middle reliever, like there's a cap on that usually in terms of war two point five B war. That's that's pretty damn impressive. He's been good. Yeah, and that the athletic. Uh, yeah, the, the athletic baseball staff uh, kind of compiled a top rookie from each team or whatever, and and Holden was the guy, and it. Like, I, because he's a middle reliever, like, this is that's why he's not getting talked about as much. And, like, we don't mention him as much as, like, it's worthy, he's worthy of. But, but it kind of smacks you in the face. And you look at the numbers, you're like, hey, like, this guy is a real asset to have. Uh, so, like, that's obviously a huge dub. And we need to do a better job of, uh, of talking about him. And, you know, like, speaking of Scott Harris kind of making good on, like, what his uh, – or giving examples of what his ethos will be as a uh, front office head, Michael Lorenzen was an organizational W. Like, he brought him in, didn't, you know, paid him a little bit of money, but also, like, with the – he sold him on a premise that 1,000% played out. It played out exactly – I'm sure, like, I don't know, who knows, you know, that infielder they got, like, what he'll, if he'll turn into anything. But in terms of the actual process, that was 1,000% an A+. It was, a, it was an A-plus process. Sure. Because you brought him in, he was good, and then you, you traded him, him for a hitting process. And then he threw a no-hitter, and he's been terrible since. <laughs> so glad you didn't look into that whole extending him thing. I don't think you'd feel good about that anymore. I never felt great about it. So, yeah, like organizational w right there and i i think like long term that's important to remember too like scott harris signed two free agents matt boyd and michael lorenzen a lot of people were pretty underwhelmed with that matt boyd i don't know he got hurt like in the little he pitched we didn't really see a ton of tangible improvement um from the matt boyd of old and your other guy michael lorenzen had the best first half of his career uh all so if you are right on 50% of your moves going forward, if you get the, get more than expected out of 50% of players you bring in, like that's, Hey, that's pretty good, man. All right. Even extend that to the waiver claims like Tyler Holton, obviously even Zach McKinstry a little bit, like a little more than maybe the outside expectation was. And you're not right. You're not going to be right on all of them. You probably weren't right on trade acquisitions and Nick Maton and Donnie Sands. I think Scott Harris is hovering around 50%, which, in as we talked about, a really hard sport to be right. That's actually a pretty good ratio. So be very yeah. interested to see what that looks like on a bigger scale in the years to come. And speaking of Erod, we'd be remiss if we didn't mention in terms of tests, like how Scott will handle the Erod opt-out. That's another uh, landmine that might be ahead. You know, whether he, you know opts in which highly doubt it and then what that negotiation looks like what kind of contract is a good team contract for Eduardo Rodriguez uh 
That's gonna that's gonna be something very. And Eduardo's ERA has been in the fours since his return from the finger injury in early July. Doesn't make me feel great about handing him a big wad of money. But if I'm Erod, like I think you still gotta opt out, right? So I don't know. How are you feeling about this these days? Well, I think if I was Scott, I would try to sell the benefits of a bigger money, shorter term contract to Eduardo. I would I would try to do like the I mean, he's not like he's not a marquee free agent, you know what I mean? But he's like a he's like a tier below. So mm-hmm. like you're not gonna Michael Lorenzen him, you know you you know what I mean? So or Matt Boyd him. So my approach would be, hey, like, like if I'm talking to my scouts and AJ and all that stuff, it's like we know that we're gonna we're losing a star in Miguel Cabrera. We're losing a box office guy, right? And Eduardo Rodriguez. It's not flashy, but he's he's still a guy worthy of you know you start him opening day right like he's a guy worthy of being on the poster, and I think that's worth especially with the lower payroll and uh, with Miguel Cabrera coming off the books I think it's worth giving him you know, whatever your definition of sizable is a sizable paying uh, pay increase but three years two with an option. You know, if you can sell him on that, I think, and, and then if he's already got half the teams in Major League Baseball, well, not half the team, but a handful of teams in the Western Hemisphere, uh, or Western part of the country, I should say, uh, not wanting not wanting to pitch there, I think you can kind of use that to your advantage a little bit. So I would I would try to I would sell him on more money and the opportunity still at his age to get one more decent contract before his career uh, starts to, his career numbers uh, in terms of pay start to kind of dwindle a little bit. I would sell him on that. That would be my idea because, look, he didn't bring him in. If I'm Scott Harris, I didn't bring him in. I already tried to trade him. Like, I don't really see any sense in giving him some long-term contract, but I, I have room in the budget to increase his pay sizably and also not ruin my long-term viability. Yeah. So that, that's kind of what I, that would be my approach. And that, that's why I, right now, no actual insight here, but right now, I man, I think he leaves. This is F4 over the past three full seasons, 3.7, 3.9, 3. 3.0. That means he's going to be worth well over 20 million a year. And he's 30 and... If I'm his agent, I'm trying to get him like five years, man. I'm trying to get him paid. I'm trying to get him some security into the latter stages of his career. And I think there are going to be some teams, some contending teams that will be willing to pay that because they're going to say, hey, we can add a three to four win starter to our rotation. We're doing it. And so maybe that means you you give him a little, con- a little longer contract term than you might like. And I think – that makes more sense for a team that's trying to win the World Series in 2024 than it does for, say, the Tigers right now. Yeah, I agree. And look, like I don't. It's an it's an L to lose him for nothing, just in general, yes. like that. But given, like, if you just move past that, if you're just looking forward, it's not. 
it'd be a bigger L to give him more years and more money, in my opinion, than to lose him for nothing at this point. This is just like post-trade deadline options, not leading up to the trade deadline. So, uh, yeah, test for him. Test for Eduardo uh, to see how he handles it as well. How much – I mean, no one's going to – People aren't going to care, but it's going to be brought up, all the weird stuff that's been going on with him the past couple of years. Probably won't cost him much money. but I think it'll options. turn off a team or two. I don't think it'll ultimately affect yeah. the bottom line, but it might limit the pool a little bit. Limit the pool a little bit, and you know that that that's when things get weird, is when you decide to limit the pool, and then your actions limit the pool. <laughs> that's why this is a fascinating conversation <laughs> gonna look at it from a lot of different angles yeah yeah what other organizational well, dubs you got i mean that we got well, justice bigby raking you know that's it look i don't know if he's anything i don't know if he's the next carrie carpenter but you know you want an under heralded guy rising up in your farm system there's one well carpenter's like since he since he started it last year, it's not like a holy this year organizational dub, but that's about as big a dub as you can get. To uh, the conversations we are having in spring training just seem absolutely silly, <laughs> just downright like downright dumb. Uh, considering what he's done this year, he's uh, he's got twenty home runs and and he he's a earning at bats against lefties. He's a viable guy in the lineup that. He went to the MLB Network Studios, coach. Like this is like a real guy. Yeah. He like yeah. this is this is a guy that's getting promoted by the league's channel. Like like we can't discount all this kind of stuff. He's he's gonna have a decent amount of buzz going in next year. That's a huge dub, and you know there's there's room for there. There's still discussions about who's gonna be like the slugger. You know, we we throw around like the ace for the for the pitching staff or whatever. But the slugger, you know, Miguel Cabrera obviously hasn't been much of a slugger these past couple of years. But the aura about it is kind of what that term is all about. And I'll tell you what, it's an organizational W. And it's worth mentioning again the the management of Miguel Cabrera, it's picking the spots to to play him, his attitude. I would say it has contributed to that. AJ's handle, I think, I don't know if you could say this has gone anything less than, like, perfect, really. Uh, like, there, there's no, there's nothing to complain about. He's played well. He's embraced the moment. It's fun to see opposing fans and teams, like, honor him. You know, that's, that's something, like, as a, as a Detroit fan, like, that's something for the Yankees. You know what I mean? That's something for the Yankees guys. <laughs> You know, like like our guys don't get that. You know what I mean? So so that's been a, that's been a huge W, and you know let's keep the pitching the pitching uh, theme going here a little bit. Uh, your boy Sawyer Gibson Long, eleven strikeouts, eleven strikeouts the other night. This guy is he's like pitcher he he's a pitcher Carrie Carpenter is, is kind of what it's like right now. Uh, and obviously you, uh, we teased it last week, but you wrote about him this week on the athletic. If you're a subscriber, you can read about it. Uh, fascinating, a lot of background information in there. I really, I really liked all the stuff you were able to dig up there, including, uh, including the scout yeah, claiming, uh, <laughs> saying the Tigers need owe him a little money. I'm pretty sure that's against, uh, major league baseball <laughs> rules, but, uh, <laughs> but, but yeah, Gibson long and, you know, Reese Olsen. 
Looks like looks like a player. Reese Olsen, yeah. you know, I was hanging out with the guy the other night. He's like, Reese Olsen is going to be a number one. And that was ridiculous, okay? But <laughs> he's been pretty good. I guess I can see why someone would think that. When a guy takes a no-hitter through the fifth three times in one year, you're thinking, oh, all right. And he can miss some bats. And, and I think best-case scenario, he's like a number four. I think given his arsenal, he may still be best suited for like a, a, a relief role. But he's a guy who suddenly looks like he's going to be part of your plans and part of your pitching staff in some form or fashion for some years to come. So within reason – Feel pretty good about it. Well, you referenced with the Soto trade a push. Uh, I would kind of say, in a, in a push in certain cases being a dub, I would say Tarek Skubal this year push that's a dub comes back from. I mean, dub. Come, came back yeah, and yeah. still looks like himself. You know, I think that's what you're worried yeah. is like, is he going to lose something throughout the course of this surgery? And he hasn't. Still a guy you can feel really, really optimistic about. And a guy that might play into one of those home run moves. And definitely we're thinking about. So here's what, and, and so here's the dose, here's the, the splash of cold water. You feel really good, right? A positive year. It's usually has been. And you're like, oh, future of the lineup could be pretty good. You know, we got Carpenter with 20 homers and Torque, you know, 28, 29. And then it's like, yeah, that's all good. But. You know what it actually takes to win the World Series? You look at the Atlanta Braves lineup. They have seven guys with 20 homers. They have a guy with 52 homers, and he's not even the best player on their team. Okay? <laughs> Maddleton has 52 homers, and Ronald Acuna might have a 40-70 year, something crazy. Oh, and they have Ridiculous. Austin Riley. And they have Ozzy Albies. Oh, their, like, fifth best player in terms of war is Michael Harris. And I think that's like the cold. All right, so you got some pretty good guys in Twerk and Carpenter, and and if Riley Green can stay healthy, he could be a star level player. And I still don't think that's enough. Cole Keith, all right, I still don't think that's enough. And that's where it's like that's where Scott Harris. The, the, this is what will ultimately define his tenure. Does he find a way to get enough? Yeah. You know, and because it, it's not easy to do. One of the things that stands out when I look at the Braves, one thing the Tigers still do not necessarily have an inkling of, stars from the international market. All right, take away Ronald Acuna and Ozzy Albies, and suddenly you don't like the Atlanta Braves near as much. Take Julio Rodriguez off the Mariners, <laughs> they're not very good at all. That's be nice if the Tigers could hit a, a big time star on the international market. That's going to take a few years yeah. to develop, but that is a a big kind of under talked about thing that is still looming over the organization right now. Yeah, absolutely. And the hardest thing to, uh, for a fan or, you know, even a, a, a media member to drive, why don't you go sign this guy? Cause obviously we have no idea about who any of these right, guys are. Right. And, you know, and that's where, that's where like the infrastructure with your, uh, international academies and, I mean, there's God. It takes a village, doesn't it, Cody? It takes uh, it takes a village. Uh, speaking of, okay, so Torque, real quick. That's got to be a huge dub because there's, he's gonna. It looks like he's gonna get 30 home runs, right? And that's gonna be the first time in a while for a Tigers hitter, and that's what we were looking for. We were looking for the power to be unlocked. It seems unlocked to me, 
and there were articles being written in June about whether he, and we had to talk about it about whether he should be demoted to AAA, and like he still has to improve several areas of his game, especially on defense. But you have to, you have, I, I th- that might be one of the biggest dubs of all this year is seeing Spencer Torkelson rake a little bit because there were about to be some. We were there was a path on the board of some really uncomfortable conversations yes. in November, December, January, February. Yeah, I still don't know like what the ceiling is. I'm still not getting overly hyped about like the ultimate ceiling, but you know you got something, right? You know you got a guy you're gonna feel good about writing into your lineup next year, and a guy who in theory should only get better. Defense low key a big thing. He's having the worst defensive season for a first baseman in like at least five years i'm not exaggerating based on defensive run save torques touching like negative 10 uh it's been really really bad so he's gonna uh have a lot of ground balls in his future this offseason uh worst defensive season from a first baseman since none other than miguel cabrera and chris davis in 2017 where we're negative 11 defensive run saved you got something, all right? So speaking of guy I just referenced, Matt Olson. When Matt Olson was in his age 24 season, he hit 29 homers, hit 247, 335 OBP. Looks a little bit comparable to Spencer Torkelson right now, you know? Uh, so that can stand as encouragement that there can continue to be even more growth. Next year for Torque, keep up the power. You want a little higher OBP, you want to hit for a little better average. And that seems very doable at this stage in his career. I think we can tie a bow on the organizational dub conversation with what do we what do we call Riley Green's 2023? Well, obviously we talked about the injury earlier in this podcast, but you know he he's missed extended time twice this year, right? And 378 at bats, hits 288, it's 11 home runs, 37 RBI. Seven stolen bases. No, good for you. Uh, I, I believe in Riley one. Green more than I believe about anything on this team. Same. But it's a but, hard one. But it's hard for me to say that this was a progressive year for him overall when he missed so much time. And yeah, well, like, like, I, there are real concerns. There are real concerns. We have to talk about them. There yeah, are real concerns. Like, like about what's his, the, the presidential line? Like, are you better off now than you were four years ago? Do you yeah. feel better about Riley Green now or this time last year? And unfortunately, despite how well Riley played through much of this season, I think I felt better last year because I'm like, all right, I feel validated in that he's got a really high major league ceiling. But man, the durability, as much as maybe it's a little bit, you know, freak injuries, suddenly that's a a looming question. The guy who is supposed to be your franchise player, what if he's one of those guys who just can't stay healthy? So I feel a little bit worse about it overall. Yeah, higher level concerns for sure. And again, if this, to go back to what we were talking about earlier, this bleeds into development next season. Like, it's not going to be a good thing. <laughs> like, not going to be a good thing, Cody. 
Yeah, let's let's oh, just yeah. hope he doesn't get hurt again, man. Come on. He can be so good. It's so He's much fun to so watch good. him. It's it's so much fun to watch him. So uh so yeah, that's uh any any other dubs that anything I missed? Uh, we, oh, we barely Rogers. got into I, Jake I Rogers. Been... Huge. You feel really good that Jake Rogers, regardless of what they do with Carson Kelly, you're not really that worried about because Jake Rogers is going to be your guy next year. You know, really good defender. We knew that, and the bat has come along. I think already better than I ever thought it would. Um, again, I don't know what that looks like three, four years out, but going into next year, man, I'm got to be happy to have Jake Rogers behind the plate. Yeah, no doubt, and you know, shout out Al Avila for finding the catcher of the future in that trade. <laughs> uh, he's, you know, there is a GM he, opening in Detroit. So. <laughs> <laughs> Bring him back. Oh man, that would be good. He is uh, arb eligible next year, Cody. By the way, for, not a free agent until 2027. Uh, this this could be one of those margins moves to like extend him uh i think that's kind of I, I wouldn't do it i would not do that not do it because well i, I, I mean he's not it's not like he's going to be worth a ton in arbitration so i would just write out arbitration with him for the next couple years and when he comes up on his free agent year see if you still feel good about it and then broach the idea of an extension yeah, that makes sense. I'll be, I mean, just in general, I'm going to be curious about, like, again, the, these steps for Scott Harris. What's the first extension you do, even if it's, like, a small one? Yeah. You know what I mean? Okay, scale, so scale. is there anyone on this team? Let's take Eduardo and that weirdness out. Is there anyone else you would give an extension to right now? No. Me neither. No. Me neither. Like, like, there's... There's guys that I like feel good about extending, but not now. Yeah, like I'm, you know, you're not forced to do anything. So, um, I would, uh, I would. If Riley Green stays healthy, like in rakes, I do that next year. Like yeah. Harry Carpenter, like eh, you still gotta figure out if he can like actually play outfield before you know what he's worth. Twerk, like, what is he worth? Worth, like, if I'm Scott Boris, I'm not inking an extension with Torque right now because yeah, I'm believing there's a much higher ceiling and still at like 1.2 F4 or something so in terms of dollars not actually worth a lot right now um, you know pitchers they gotta stay healthy like you know as much as like if you're gonna extend anyone I guess it'd be like Scooble but you need to see him healthy and he's also kind of your best trade piece so uh, that's also worth keeping in perspective. One reason the Braves are so good right now, they had a lot of young talent and they extended them all really early and the Tigers still can't really identify one guy that you're willing to, to, uh, give a bag just yet. It, someone will be worthy of extension. Like, we'll know it. It won't be like, a yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. <laughs> and, and whatever the number is, it'll be like, Oh, no one's gonna be shocked whenever I, I think that first like big extension happens. And, and by the way, those are those are the things that you want as a fan. At least, to have, at, at least you're not paying Wander Franco for twelve years. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> I was gonna bring him up earlier with like the international signings things. Obviously, there's <laughs> not good stuff going on with him currently. But just the the baseball player, just the baseball player, like that was obviously a gem. Uh, and and so uh, and the Rays are still good enough infrastructure wise that they can survive that. Yeah. 
which uh, maybe not financially, just general. They'll have to they'll have to go through the player association on that one. But uh, but just in terms of the team, like uh, they, they they can survive it. <sighs> All right, Cody. I thought that was pretty good. A lot of a lot of Scott Harris today. I didn't I didn't you know sometimes these conversations go in a direction that I. I, I don't fully anticipate, but I enjoy them all, all the same. Like a lot of, a lot yeah, of, it, ended a lot up of being really big picture. And, and I don't know that we arrived at real answers, but I think my mind got going like some other topics that we're going to be able to continue to hit on throughout the off season. I, and I think if anything, that's like the, the takeaway, some good things this year and some really, really interesting decisions ahead of us in the next month, the next three months, the next year, a lot, good stuff ahead indeed indeed all right cody well uh, i want to thank you for taking the time to talk with me about the tigers i want to thank everybody for listening i want to thank everybody for subscribing apple spotify and subscribing to youtube turning the corner podcast subscribing to the athletic where you can read cody's great work including one tigers related but including a Dion sanders baseball player profile which was very entertaining i enjoyed it a lot so for cody Stavenhagen. I'm Kieran Steckley. Everybody have a great week.